Pastors Michael and Brenda Brunzo welcome you and thank you for listening to the following message. This message was recorded during a regular service at Faith Fellowship Church. The Bible tells us in Romans 10, 17, faith comes by hearing and hearing by the Word of God. So we believe this message will encourage and strengthen you in your daily walk of faith. God bless you as you listen. Good evening. Thanks for joining us again tonight. I'm Pastor Mike Brunzo. My wife and I pastor Faith Fellowship Church right here in Louisville, Kentucky. I'm coming to you on Facebook Live tonight from our home in Taylorsville. But before we begin, I want to let you know that this coming Sunday, May 3rd, is the first Sunday of the month, and we always have communion on the first Sunday of the month, and we invite you to join us if you'd like to. So if you want to participate, then just make sure that you have some bread or crackers and some juice, or uh, it could be any kind of juice, orange juice, grape juice, it doesn't make any difference, and any kind of bread or crackers, it'll work. Uh, we're going to do something a little bit different tonight. We're going to go more along the lines of uh, teaching rather than preaching, and teaching is kind of line upon line, precept upon precept, here a little, there a little until we get it down in our hearts. And so uh, we're going to use for a text tonight, Hebrews chapter 11, and we're going to begin with verse 1. Now this chapter in Hebrews is what everyone calls the Faith Hall of Fame. And it's called the Faith Hall of Fame because it gives examples of the different men and women of God who by faith uh, accomplished great things for the Lord. Now my wife told me I've been preaching real good lately, but that... Uh, she thought I should do some teaching on some basic things. And she said every once in a while we need to get back to the basics. And I agree with her 100%. Uh, you know, it's good to have a revelated word, but sometimes we have to go back to the basics of the Word of God and uh, refresh ourselves on some things. And I picked the subject of faith tonight because we hear so much about it, especially lately with the COVID-19 virus and everything. We, telling people all the time to uh, be in faith and don't get in fear and faith is the opposite of fear and faith will uh, activate God like fear activates the devil. And so we uh, know a lot about faith. We hear it all the time, but that doesn't mean that we have a real working knowledge of faith. And uh, I realize we have a lot of deep sheep out there tonight and you're probably thinking, man, I've been hearing about faith for 20 years and that may be true, but, you know, Pastor Keith Moore always said that if it's old to you, then it's no longer real and active in your life, and it's become head knowledge. It's not in your heart anymore. It's in your head. It's mental ascent, and so it's no longer living faith, and because it's not living faith, it's not pleasing to God. So you deep sheep might get a little bored tonight but uh, because we're doing the basics, but it won't hurt you to be a little bit refreshed either. So faith is important because James said the testing of your faith produces patience. And another word for patience is endurance. So, you know, the testing of your faith produces endurance. And the writer of Hebrews said, I believe that's Paul, but he said it's through faith and patience that we possess the promises of God or we inherit the promises of God. So in other words, we need both faith and patience if we want to inherit the promises of God, and the promises of God are many. Uh, if you look at the healing ministry of Jesus, for example, he always emphasized the importance of your faith. 
I mean, we we have no question about Jesus's faith. He has enough faith to do anything. He has faith without measure, where we have faith by measure. We have a measure of faith. But Jesus had faith without measure. So it's not a question of what he could do. It's a question of what we could believe and receive. And so he would say things in his healing ministry, like to the centurion when he healed his servant from afar. He said, go your way, and as you have believed, so be it unto you. And when he healed the woman with the issue of blood, he said, daughter, be of good comfort. Your faith has made you whole. And when he healed the two blind men, he said, according to your faith, be it unto you. And to the woman whose daughter was grievously vexed with the devil, he said, O woman, great is your faith, be it unto you even as you will. And to a certain blind man who sat by the wayside, he said, receive your sight, your faith has saved you. And so he always attributed their healing uh, to their faith. And even when he didn't say it, you could tell it was implied in the passage of scripture. And so... Uh, what I want everyone to notice is how Jesus put the emphasis on them. He put the emphasis on their faith. And whether we realize it or not, having faith is our responsibility for receiving anything from God. Uh, as, as I said, it's not what Jesus is capable of doing. He can do anything. It's what you're capable of believing and receiving. And how about when you pray for something? Does the answer or the manifestation of what you prayed for come immediately? It doesn't usually. It can, and sometimes it does. And, and when it does come immediately, I mean, as soon as you say amen, bang, there it is, that's a miracle. Praise the Lord for it. Amen? But uh, it doesn't come so quickly all the time. So what do we do between the amen and the there it is, hallelujah? I mean, what we, what we have to do is stand in faith. And we have to keep the faith until we receive the thing that we're believing God for or the thing that we're uh, expecting from God. What if God says, according to your faith, be it unto you? Would you have enough faith to receive whatever it is you've been praying for, whatever it is you've been asking and believing God for? Do you have enough faith to move the hand of God? Uh, when you pray for healing, but you still have the symptoms or the, the pain after you say amen, uh, do you give up because you think God didn't heal you? Or do you fight the good fight of faith and you stand on his word? He said, I'm the Lord who healeth thee. He said, by my stripes, you are healed. He said himself, Jesus took our infirmities and our sicknesses. So are you able to stand on those words? It takes faith to do that. And these are God's promises. But how do we attain them? How do we attain them again? Through faith and patience, through faith and patience possess we the promises of God. Do you have enough faith to make a stand and overcome sickness or disease? Do you have enough faith to stand and uh, overcome lack in your life? Uh, can you believe that God will provide all your needs according to his riches and glory? The Apostle John said in 1 John 5 verses 4 and 5, he said, for whatever is born of God overcomes the world. And this is the victory that has, that has overcome the world, even our faith. And then he said in verse 5, who is he who overcomes the world? But he who believes that Jesus is the son of God. He said in the beginning, 
For whatever is born of God overcomes the world. We're born of God, my brothers and sisters. I mean, if you're, if you're born again, you've accepted Jesus as the Lord of your life, you're born of God. You've been born again. So you have the ability in you to overcome anything that's in the world, anything that comes your way in the world. You have it built inside your DNA that you can overcome it. Hallelujah. But he said that here that it's the thing that overcomes the world is even our faith. It's your faith that overcomes the world. Your faith that God is bigger than anything that can come your way. Your faith that God is able and willing to perform his promises in your life. Is sickness in the world? Is lack in the world? Is evil in the world? John says we can overcome anything that's in the world. How? With our faith. And who is it that overcomes the world? He who believes that Jesus is the Son of God. Do you believe Jesus is the Son of God? I certainly do. Uh, and if you do, then you're ready. You're already an overcomer. You're ready to overcome anything that comes your way. Would you be willing to admit that it's possible we don't understand faith the way that we should? Faith is really simple. It's been complicated by religious leaders and theologians and Bible scholars for so many years that we don't know what it is anymore. And, and But I'm going to explain tonight on a level that even I can understand. And if I can understand it, you can understand it. In uh, Hebrews 11, again, starting with verse 1, and, and I know my deep sheep could probably quote this, uh, and that's great, but in reality, even if you can quote it, doesn't mean that you can fully understand what it really means. Hebrews 11.1, 1, and we'll read through verse 3, and then we'll skip down to verse 6. It says, now faith, now faith. It's not faith that's in the future. It's not faith that's in the past. It's now faith, right now faith, is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. And then it says in verse 2, for by it, faith, the elders obtained a good testimony. By faith, we understand that the worlds were framed by the word of God, so that the things which are seen were not made of things which are visible. And then down to verse 6, it says, but without faith, it is impossible to please him, to please God. For he who comes to God must believe that he is God and that he is a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. We have to believe that God is God and that he is a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. And now this isn't just for a casual seeker. This isn't for somebody who just throws up a popcorn prayer when they get in trouble. This is for somebody who diligently seeks the Lord. It says that he is a rewarder of those people that diligently seek him. So verse six tells us exactly why we need faith. Uh, if for no other reasons, it's absolutely necessary for us to have faith if we want to please God. Faith is the secret to pleasing God. And if you love God, you should want to please him. I mean, we should all seek to be men and women of faith uh, for the simple reason that it pleases God. I remember when I was working for UPS as a Metro Chicago District Safety Manager, I would do things to please my boss. Uh, basically because it put me in a position of favor 
and it would put me in a position to be rewarded by him. See, I did it because I believed he was my boss and I believed that he was able to reward me. I, I knew he could reward me with raises, promotions, bonuses, and so on. And, and there's also job security when you please your boss as well. <laughs> as I think back on it, I realized the reasons for wanting to please my boss were kind of selfish and self-centered. But that should be that should never be the reason that a Christian wants to please God. We shouldn't want to please God because with our faith, we can get wonderful promises from him and wonderful things. But we should want to please God because we love him. I mean, thank God that he's a rewarder, but that should never be the reason that we're seeking him or that should never be the reason that we want to please him. But let's focus on Hebrews 11.1 1 again. Faith is the substance of things hoped for the evidence of things not seen. See, if you see it, you don't need faith for it. It's already there. So this is evidence of things unseen. And a lot of people believe that this is the definition of faith. But Hebrews 11.1 1 doesn't define faith. I believe Hebrews 11.1 1 tells us what faith does. And even if it was the definition of faith, that doesn't mean that we understand it the way that we should. I was able to quote this passage of scripture for years before I ever really understood it. I found this to be true over the years. Maybe you have as well. The more I learn from the word of God, the more I realize how much I don't know. I mean, let's face it, the word of God is inexhaustible. It has been preached for over 6,000 plus years, and we haven't even scratched the surface concerning the amount of revelation that's in this word. Do you know that we'll sit at Jesus' feet for eternity, and we will study this Bible, and he will give us revelation that we never even dreamed of before, and yet for eternity, we will never exhaust the revelation that's in this book. So you may think you know something about the Word of God. I may think I know something about the Word of God, but the more I think I know, the less I really do know. And so I thought I want to I break this verse down and bring it to the level, like I said, that it had to be for me to understand it. And I want to look in particular at three words in verse 1, uh, and I think it will revolutionize the meaning of faith of what it means to have faith. And I think a light bulb is going to come on as the saying goes. You know, revelation is going to come. And it's three basic words that are in that first verse of Hebrews 11. Faith, substance, and hope. We're going to break these three down, three words down so that we'll have a clearer understanding of what it is to, to be in faith. The New Testament was originally written in the Greek and Aramaic languages. And I'm not saying I'm a scholar in either language. Uh, we did have some classes on the Greek and the Hebrew when we were in Bible college, but we're no, by no means an authority on it. But they did teach us how to reference, reference certain books. And like Einstein said, I don't need to know everything. I just have to know where to find the information. And so I can find information. I can find the, the uh, Greek, Hebrew, Aramaic definitions to all these words in the Strong's Concordance or Vine's Expository Dictionary of New Testament words. There's a lot of tools that we have. And so I go to them to find out what was the original meaning of this word when it was written in the original language. And why is that so important? Because uh, 
There's a lot of Greek words that we don't have an English equivalent for. And because of that, some of the true meaning is lost in translation. So every now and then we have to look at the word in the original language uh, that it was written in for clarity. So with that in mind now, let's look at the first three words I mentioned. Faith, first. Uh, the word faith simply means, according to the Greek uh, word that it was written in, a firm persuasion. A firm persuasion. It means a belief. It means a conviction based upon hearing. It's a conviction based upon something that you heard. Now, let me give you some examples. Right here in Hebrews 11th chapter, down at the 13th verse, it says, and speaking of these men and women of faith that are in this 11th chapter, it says, these all died in faith, not having received the promises, but having seen them afar off, were assured of them, embraced them, and confessed that they were strangers and pilgrims on the earth. They understood that they were just passing through here, that their promises would be fulfilled in another place, heaven. And, and what, I, what I want you to see here, it says that even though they didn't have them yet, they didn't have them in the natural, they couldn't see them materially, but it says that they seen them afar off. And, and that means that they were in the future somewhere, but yet they embraced them and they confessed them as though it was theirs now. And that's a secret to faith. You know, it's believing for something that you can't see yet. It's the evidence of things not seen, but you can, you believe them so strongly, you're so firmly persuaded in what God told you or what the promise that God gave you is that you can see it afar off. Even though you don't have it yet, you embrace it as though it's already yours. And God promised Abraham and his wife, Sarah, a son. But there was a little problem. Abraham was like 100 years old and Sarah was close behind him. And they were way past the childbearing age. And so if they were going to have a child, number one, they needed a miracle. And number two, they had to muster up all the faith that they could possibly muster up. See, in Romans 4, 19 through 21, it talks about this very thing. And Paul says, and being not weak in faith, in other words, strong in faith, Abraham considered not his own body now dead, at least for producing seed, it was dead. When he was about a hundred years old, neither, neither yet the deadness of Sarah's womb. He didn't consider the natural circumstances. He considered the, the word of God higher than the natural circumstances. In other words, if God said it, I believe it, that settles it. I don't care what it looks like around me. I don't care what it's like in the natural, what the circumstances dictate to me. God said it, I believe it, and I'm going to have it. And then verse 20 says, he staggered not. In other words, he wavered not at the promise of God through unbelief, but was strong in faith, giving glory to God. He's already giving glory to God and thanking God for a son that he can't even have in the natural, that he can't even see in the natural, but he sees him afar off. And verse 21 says, and being fully persuaded that what God had promised, he was able also to perform. Man, I'm telling you, uh, remember what James said? When you ask God for something, you have to ask in faith, nothing wavering, for he that wavers is like a wave of the sea driven by the wind and tossed. And then he says, 
for let not that man think that he shall receive anything of the Lord. I'm telling you, when you ask God for something, whether it's in prayer or, or whatever, you have to ask in faith, fully persuaded, nothing wavering that what God said he's able to perform and he will perform it. And, and I mean, this is faith in a nutshell. God made a promise. Abraham was fully persuaded that what God promised, he was also able to perform. He didn't consider the fact that by all natural expectations, he would it would be impossible for him and his wife to produce a son. He just believed God at his word. You know, a lot of people are like that. They're just crazy enough to believe God at his word. Even when it doesn't look possible, they believe it is possible. And, you know, sometimes we have to ignore the natural circumstances that's going on around us because by all natural means, the thing we're believing God for seems to be impossible. It looks impossible. And we start questioning things. We want to know the who, what, where, when, how, and why. And, and you can't be like that with God. You have just got to take God at his word and believe, be fully persuaded that he is able and he will perform his word. He will perform that promise in your life. And that's what Abraham and Sarah did. Uh, they just believed God at his word. And sometimes, like I said, we have to ignore the natural circumstances. But with men, uh, some things are impossible. But Matthew 19, 26 says, but with God, all things are possible. All things are possible with God. They might not be possible to you. They might, be, might not be possible for you. But with God, all things are possible. So I'm going to put my faith in a loving God who has no limitations and he can perform the impossible in my life. Faith is simply a firm persuasion. We don't have to get complicated with it. We don't have to have all these different formulas, step one, step two, step three, step four. Just be fully persuaded of God's word. Just be fully persuaded that God is able and he will perform his word in your life. I mean, it's a firm persuasion, a belief that what God said is true and he's able to perform what he said. I mean, can you believe God's word? Are you fully persuaded it's true? Then you have faith. Now, faith is like a muscle. You don't start out with big faith, no more than you start out with big muscles. You know, my grandson, uh, Ethan, he does a lot of weightlifting and running. He's very physical. He's in peak physical condition. I mean, he works out all the time with weights, and, and he's got some big biceps and big triceps, you know, and, and he's really strong. But he didn't start out that way. He, he started out, he was pretty skinny. He was pretty scrawny. He couldn't run a mile. Now he can run five miles. He, he runs two or three miles every day right now with a 60-pound weighted vest on his chest, and he runs that every day. But you know what? He didn't start out like that. He started out small, and he grew big. I mean, that's the way things start out, especially with, if you had faith as a grain of mustard seed. Well, you could believe God for anything. But you know what? The more you hear the word, the more God proves himself to you, the more faith you have, the, the stronger your faith gets. It gets greater. It's, it's like that muscle. You got to exercise it in order to make it stronger and bigger. But let's look at the word substance now. It's easy to misunderstand this word because the Greek definition is so different than our English equivalent. When we say substance, we think of what something is made out of, like my desk. You know, uh, 
This desk is made of wood. Wood is the substance of this desk. At least I hope it is. It might be particle board or something cheap like that. But, but wood is supposed to be the substance of this desk. And that's how we look at the word substance. But the Greek word for substance was translated, uh, that it was translated from the Greek, actually means a standing under or that which stands under. In other words, uh, the, the word sub means under, like submarine, under. And the word stance means a standing. So it's a standing under. In other words, it means a foundation. And the last couple of weeks, we learned something about foundations, didn't we? I mean, the load being bearing part of a building or structure, that's what the foundation is for. It's the basis or starting point of something. When you start building a house, the first thing you should uh, start with is a foundation. So it's a starting point for, for a structure. Uh, it's the starting point for your life. You don't start building up here somewhere. You start at the base. And, and uh, it lends to someone having a confident assurance which leads one to stand under or endure or undertake anything that comes their way. And I told you we don't have an English equivalent for some of these Greek words, but let me simplify it for us. Substance simply means a confidence assurance, a confident assurance that what I'm building on is going to hold what I'm building. And so faith means a firm persuasion or a belief. Substance means a confident assurance. And finally, let's look at the word hope. The word hope means favorable and confident expectation. It's have, having to do with the unseen and the favorable to happen. In other words, you're expecting something favorable to happen and soon. Faith means a firm persuasion, a belief. Substance means a confident assurance. And hope means expectation. Let's look at the passage of Scripture and some other translations. I think it will shed some light on it for us. And if you're new to the Word of God and you're, you, you, haven't been in, you haven't been born again very long or something, uh, we have all these different translations because so many of these words can be translated in different English words. And so one translator say, well, I'll translate patience like this. Another one says, well, I'll call it endurance. And another one says, he'll call it something else. And they're all right. I mean, uh, if you look at the Amplified, sometimes it will say, it will give you the definition of all the words. It will say, uh, for with faith and patience, endurance, we receive the promises of God. Uh, so there are several different translations. They're all good translations. They just use the different words that are available from the Greek language. Remember the King James says, Now faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. Uh, the Weymouth translation says it like this, Now faith is a confident assurance of that for which we hope, a conviction of the reality of things we do not see. The Moffat translation says, now faith means that we are confident of what we hope for, convinced of what we do not see. The Berkeley translation says, but faith forms a solid ground for what is hoped for. The, the New International Version says, now faith is being sure of what we hope for and certain of what we do not see. And then finally, one more translation says it like this. Faith is the warranty deed for the thing for which you have fondly hoped 
is at last yours. And then in Romans 8, 24, I know I'm going a little quickly, but we got some ground to cover tonight. But I promise when, when we're finished tonight, you're going to have a better understanding of faith than you ever had before. Romans 8, 24 says, For we are saved by hope, but hope that is seen is not hope. For what a man sees, why does he yet hope for it? And, uh, you know, you might say, well, I thought we were saved by faith and that not of yourselves, but it is a gift of God. Yes, uh, we are saved by faith, uh, but we're also being saved. In other words, our salvation isn't complete yet. And uh, don't forget the Bible definition for hope is favorable and confident expectation. And we haven't seen the culmination of our faith yet. It won't be complete until we get to heaven. So that's why I say we're saved being saved. Yes, we're saved. We're on our way to heaven, but we're not there yet. But we're confidently expecting it. And that's faith. Remember the Bible definition of hope is different than the world's definition. If I asked you if you were getting a stimulus check, I ain't got mine yet, but if I asked you, if you if you asked me if I was getting an, a stimulus check and I said, oh, I hope I am, then I'm not confidently expecting it. But if, if you ask me if I'm getting a stimulus check, I would tell you, yes, I am. Hallelujah. I might not know when, but it's somewhere, somewhere in the future there. And faith is a substance of things hoped for, the evidence of that stimulus check I haven't seen yet, but I am expecting it. Hallelujah. And if I, if I was using the world's definition of hope and I say, well, I sure hope I get it, then that means I'm just wishing for it. I don't have any confident expectation, no confident assurance. I don't have nothing to stand on. I'm standing on shaky ground because I don't really have any faith for it. But when you're speaking about Bible hope, then it means you're confidently expecting it to come. It's the same with healing or any of the other promises of God. You have got to expect them to come. Now, F.F. Bosworth, a preacher and author of old, said in his book, Christ the Healer, that faith begins where the will of God is known. In other words, if you know the will of God, then you can have faith in it. God's word is his will. When you pick up your Bible, you're holding the will of God in your hand. Romans 10, 17 says, so then faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. And that word hearing in the Greek was uh, translated from a Greek word that means plurality. In other words, it's not just hearing once. Uh, faith comes by hearing and hearing and hearing and hearing and, and hearing by the word of God. So the more we hear the word of God, the more knowledge we gain. And that causes our faith, our firm persuasion of God's word to increase because we're learning what the will of God is. I can have faith for more and more things. The more knowledge I have, the more I understand the will of God, the word of God, the more things that I can have faith in to believe him for. Now, how do I know my wife's likes and dislikes? How does she know mine? How do I know her will? I'll tell you how I know by spending time with her, talking to her and listening to her. And that's the same way you learn what God's will is. I mean, by our communication and living together, I learned the things she likes, and believe me, I have, and the things she don't like, hallelujah. And uh, I mean, if I never talked to her and she never talked to me, uh, I don't know how I know what her will is concerning certain things. 
But I, I, there's a lot of questions I don't ask her because I already know the answer for her. And I, there's times I don't even like to think in front of her because it seems like she knows me so well that she knows what I'm thinking sometimes. And, and, but that comes through relationship. That comes through talking to one another. And, and that's the same way we get to know God's will and God's word by spending time with him in prayer and spending time in the word of God, studying it and meditating on it. Uh, when we know the word of God, we know the will of God. And when we know the will of God, then we have substance. We have a foundation for our faith to stand on. Again, what's the definition of faith? A firm persuasion or belief. Substance is confidence, assurance. Hope is a confident expectation. So I'm firmly persuaded that God is able. I have a confident assurance from his word that he will do what he's promised to do. And I'm expecting it to happen and I'm expecting it to happen soon. Faith is a substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. See, you can't have faith in something that has no substance. Uh, faith has to have substance to get into for you to believe it. Uh, I mean, you have to have a foundation for your faith to stand on. And Paul said in 1 Corinthians 3.11, For other foundation can no man lay than that is laid, which is Jesus Christ. Now watch this. Our foundation is Jesus Christ. Well, that's a little complicated. How do I stand on Jesus Christ? John 1.1 says this. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. The same was in the beginning with God. All things were made by him, and without him was not anything made that was made. And then uh, it, it goes, that was verses 1 through 3, and then down to verse 14 it says, And the word was made flesh and dwelt among us. So the word was in heaven. It was there in the beginning with God. It was God. All things were made by the word, and without the word was not anything made that was made. And then that word left heaven, came down here, entered the body of a virgin by the name of Mary and the, and the body of Jesus, and he became a man. In other words, and the word was made flesh and dwelt among us. He lived among us for a time. And the Bible says we beheld his glory, the glory as of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth, full of grace and truth. Jesus Christ is the word. That's the foundation for our faith. That's what we build everything upon is that foundation, Jesus Christ, the word. And, uh, and uh, I know I can believe God for anything that's written in his word, because if it's written in his word, it's his will. I know the word is the will of God, so I can be firmly persuaded that he is able to perform it, and I can have a confident assurance and expectation that it's not only going to happen, but it's going to happen soon, praise the Lord. 1 John 5, 14, and I'm getting ready to close. This is my first close. 1 John 5, 14 and 15 says this, And this is the confidence that we have in him, that if we ask anything according to his will, according to his word, he hears us. Well, that's great. But it also says in verse 15, And if we know that he hears us, whatsoever we ask of him, we know that we will have the petitions that we desire of him. When we pray according to his will, he hears us. And if he hears us, he will give us the petitions that we desire of him. In other words, if we ask anything according to his will, 
We can have it. And where does faith begin now? It begins with the will of God. We have to know the will of God. That's our firm foundation to put our faith on. We got to give our faith something to stand on. In John 3.16, let me give you an example of what I'm talking about. John 3.16, a well-known passage of scripture. It says, for this is how God loved the world. He gave his one and only son so that everyone who believes in him will not perish but have eternal life. Hallelujah. So what does that tell us? It, it tells us that it's God's will that nobody perishes and that he wants us all to have eternal life. That's God's will. That gives me the ability to pray for somebody that's lost. That gives me the, the uh, ability to pray and believe God that he'll save my family, your family, our friends, our loved ones, because I have a foundation to stand on. God, you said it's not your will that any should perish, but that all come to the, to the uh, knowledge of Jesus Christ and come into the kingdom of God. So I'm believing you at your word. God, save my brother, save my sister, save my aunt or uncle. We have a foundation to, to put our faith on. And then Philippians 4.19 says, And my God shall supply all your need according to his riches in glory. So it's God's will that all our needs are met. I can pray and ask God to meet my needs. I know I'm praying according to his will. I know he hears me and I know he'll give me the petitions that I'm desiring of him. And then uh, Mark chapter uh, one, verses 40 and 41. Uh, there was a man with leprosy and he comes and kneels in front of Jesus begging him to heal him. He says, if you are willing, you can heal me and make me clean. And Jesus said, moved with compassion. Uh, Jesus was moved with compassion and he reached out and touched this leopard. And he said, I am willing, be healed. What does that mean? That means that God is willing to heal us. God wants us all healed. It wasn't just for this leper. The Bible says Jesus healed everyone that ever came to him. If you come to Jesus, he wants to heal you. That's his will. So we have a foundation for our faith. God, you said that it's your will to heal us. That leper asked you plainly if it's your will, and you told him plainly that it was your will to heal him. And so I believe that you will heal me. I believe you'll heal my wife, my brother-in-law, my brother, my uncle. Who, who I believe you'll heal him based on your word. You promised it, and I believe that you're able to uh, perform what you promised. Hallelujah. And then 3 John 1 and 2 says this, Beloved, I wish above all things that you may prosper and be in health even as your soul prospers. So it's God's will that we prosper in all areas of our life, spirit, soul, and body. And so we have a foundation for our faith to stand on. It's God's will. And then Mark eleven twenty three and 24, I'm getting ready to close again. It says, for verily I say unto you that whosoever shall say unto this mountain, be thou removed and be thou cast into the sea and shall not doubt in his heart, but shall believe what those, that, those things which he saith, they shall come to pass. And then he, uh, in verse 24, he says, what things soever you desire. Remember when we're talking about prayer, he'll give you the, the petitions that you desire if you pray according to his will. He says, what things soever you desire, when you pray, believe that you receive them and you shall have them. 
Again, we're praying according to God's will. He hears us and he'll grant us the petitions that we desire of him. But when do we believe that we receive them? Faith is the substance of things, hope for the evidence of things not seen. But we believe we receive them when we pray. Yeah, but I don't have it yet. I prayed for a new car and I checked my driveway. It ain't there. Yeah, but it's something that's in the future. It's something that you're believing God for. And as far as you're concerned, you're firmly persuaded that that car belongs to you even before you get it. That's what faith is. That's what's going to get you that new car as long as it's a need. Now, you might get a Volkswagen. I know you want an Escalade, but you might just get a Volkswagen because that's all you need. <laughs> Uh, later, we can talk about getting the desires of our heart. That's a little bit different than what our needs are. But uh, we need transportation. It's a need. And God said he'll supply all our needs according to his riches and glory. We have a foundation, a basis to ask for that because we know it's his will. Now, I don't know, but I'm firmly persuaded that the things I ask God for is able and willing to deliver them. And I have the firm assurance of his word that he will. So I'm confidently expecting it to happen soon. Man, that's hard to do sometimes. Yes, it is. Uh, but you do it all the time. You just don't realize it. Let me give you an example. Did you ever order something from Amazon? What did you do after you hit the submit order button? Did you lose sleep that night, tossing and turning, wondering if Amazon was going to make good on their promise to deliver your package on the specified date that they said they would? Uh, I mean, and then on the date that they're supposed to deliver it, were you not watching for the UPS man to pull up in front of your house so that you'd get the package that Amazon promised they would send to you? Lord help us. We got more confidence in Amazon and UPS than we do in God's promises. Hallelujah. <laughs> Let's pray. Father, we thank you for faith. We thank you that you give us all the measure of faith. But Lord, we also realize that faith can grow and our faith is going to be challenged. And if it's not challenged, it doesn't have a chance to grow. Faith, uh, faith produces patience. Patience produces endurance. So God, give us something to believe in tonight. Put it in our hearts for something that we desire and that we need. And, and let us test you. You said in Malachi 3.10 concerning the tithe, you said, prove me now herewith if I'll not open the windows of heaven and pour you out blessings you don't have room enough to receive. So Lord, we challenge you tonight. We believe in God for something tonight. We're believing for our healing. We're believing for that breakthrough. We're believing for that stimulus check to come in the mail, Lord. We are believing because you said we could have these things. You promised us healing. You promised us salvation. You promised us peace. You promise us comfort. There's all sorts of things in the word of God that you promise us because you are a giving God and you take pleasure in giving your children things, Lord. So we stand on your word tonight. We, we realize now that faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. And we know our sure foundation is Jesus Christ, the word. And so we stand on that word tonight and we thank you and praise you for it in Jesus name. Hallelujah. Well, I hope you got something out of this tonight. Uh, just think about it. If uh, you want to, you can go back because we'll have this recorded. You can go back and pick up on some things that you might have missed. But faith is simple. God give us a measure of faith and he wants us to use it. Let your faith grow. Challenge your faith at times. 
Don't look at the circumstances. Don't think about how impossible this could be because of such and such and so and so. Forget all that stuff. Focus on God's word. If he said it's possible with him, then it's possible in Jesus' name. We love you. Appreciate you. Don't forget Sunday, 1030. Uh, hit your share buttons and your like buttons and all that other stuff that would promote this gospel going forth throughout the land. And uh, don't forget it's Communion Sunday. Get your crackers and bread and juice ready, and we'll have a good time Sunday morning. God bless you. We love you and appreciate you. See you then. This concludes this message. Thank you for listening. We pray that it's been a blessing to you. For more information about FFC or its ministries, please contact the church office. God bless you, and remember, Jesus is Lord.